0: Hello. Hey, John. What's up? Hi, Dan. What's going on?
1: What are you doing?
2: I'm just sitting here. I'm looking at a clock that is ticking, but not working. Not telling time. The only hand that's moving is the little hand. Okay. The other hands are the same place they were yesterday. Now, usually it's Seems to me the other way around. If if a if one of the elements of a clock is going to break, it's going to be the it's going to be the second hand. Yeah, not the minute hand and the hour hand. So it's, it's you'd maybe a first. You would
0: think the second hand would go first.
2: Yeah, then right. the hour hand, so,
0: and last would be. I mean, then then the uh, the minute hand, then the hour hand would be the last one to go. Last one to go, right? You sound different. You're on a different mic. You're doing something different. Different mic, you say? Yeah. Are you?
2: Well, there is a different mic here. Yeah. Are are you speaking through it right now? I'm using a different mic. Okay. See? It's pretty
0: good, Dan. You're
2: not going to get anything past me. No one else has noticed.
0: How many other shows have you done since you switched? Uh, Innumerable.
1: So I noticed the, I noticed in,
2: in, instantly, I noticed. It was impossible to not notice. What are the characteristics of this mic, and how do they differ from my normal mic?
0: Um, there's more mid-range, a bit less a low end, and a significantly less sibilance and high, uh, high end. To uh-huh. it. Um, you sound like you are you sound more like you do when, when we're in person talking without microphones. Oh really? Yeah, I prefer this to the old you one. You do? I do.
2: Prefer it?
0: I think so. I think I would say prefer. Yeah. Wow. Why do you prefer it?
2: Well, it's. Uh, this is one of those. I mean, I'll have to
0: redo the EQ profile for you, but I don't mind. I, I, I'm liking this.
2: It's one of the one of the great microphone questions. Yeah. Um. You know how to get the uh, how to how to get the... The closest approximation, but also with just a little bit of an Instagram filter on it. <laughs> right. Where I just seem a little bit wiser. Yeah, a little a little, bit.
0: Little, little, A little smarter, a little, a little, smarter, little, more, a little wiser. A little, a little more muscular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll get, you, uh, I'll get used to it. What's the occasion? Why are you on the, the different mic, though?
2: Well, so I'm recording from the farm. hmm Delicious coffee. I'm uh, I'm here at my my old house. Oh, okay. For two more weeks, I think we will we will successfully record two more episodes from here. Let me make sure that's true. No, only one more. Only one more episode. Um, next week will be the last from my old house, and so I'm using. A uh, I'm using my remote rig. My remote podcasting rig that I that I worked on with the idea that I was going to be remotely recording. Seem that seems like it's just redundant, but yes, that's why. I wanted something I wanted something I could put into a briefcase that would enable me to go places like hotel rooms and uh, around the world and have a fairly decent sounding podcast set up and so I so I, I hashed it together you know I used to travel with that USB mic but I didn't it didn't it was not meant for traveling let's just, just call a spade a spade right sure So I did I built this little thing it it it, it folds up and fits into a fits into a, a small bag the smallest bag in fact and now I'm using it to remote broadcast from my own home which isn't my home anymore so well,
0: technically it's not that's right you've you've sold it and moved on
2: right so i'm so i'm I'm remote broadcasting from my former home with my remote rig remote
0: do you have any follow up about the dream house your dream house that you offered the guy you told him you wanted to buy it any any additional information
2: there about that the only follow-up is just that i am working um not working i think i'm successfully uh moving on oh, okay now i should say the blue angels have arrived and they will be flying over us During the show so everyone just be prepared i'm not sure how this new mic profile is going to uh, going to pick up and distribute the sound of blue angels flying 500 feet over my house right but that's going to happen at some point so be ready it will be louder here than it than there i hope so but uh i'm trying to I'm trying to not think about the old house, but the, but the thing is, Dan, I'm not trying. I'm not trying. I'm succeeding. I am. It's not even that I'm succeeding. I am simply not dwelling, which is a, I think, a pretty informed choice of words. I'm not dwelling in the uh, in the the nostalgia in the uh, disappointment in the, in what could have been, I'm just looking into the future now, just looking out hashtag future and trying to imagine a place that's going to come along. That's going to, that's going to suit me perfectly. And what I've done is uh, just in the last few days, dramatically expanded the scope of what I'm prepared to consider in what way. Well, for, for most of the past year, I have, I've drawn a very small circle around a part of the city and said, I want to live within this circle and I don't want to live outside this circle. Mm -hmm. And then within this circle, I have this complicated and detailed and almost impossible series of conditions that I need to meet. And people come to me all the time, You know, my real estate, real estate agent, my family members, Ben Harrison's wife, they're all searching all the time for houses that meet this criteria. But because this circle is so small, it's not like any of these people can find some amazing house that I didn't already see. Right. Because I'm looking every day. And so it's funny because there are six or seven people that are always sending me links to things that I, that I looked at 18 hours ago. And they're going, oh my God! Look at what I, this is amazing! Look at this one! Did you see this one? And none of them are none of them are right. And I know that as as the weeks have turned into months, that I've kind of hardened my position on some of my criteria. But um, but that's just how it is. That's just how it's going to go. And honestly, when I look back, I was much I was much more, um, unyielding early on Mm -hmm. because I thought that I was going to have my pick of the litter.
0: You're right. Right. Sure.
2: But the last couple of days I, um, uh, this house came into my uh, inbox, I guess. And I don't know how it got there because it's not, it doesn't, it's not within this circle. But some house, just some, some rogue posting made it through this, all the filters that have been set up to keep it out. It when did its way in? And in the middle of the night, it arrived. And I looked at it and I said, that's interesting. How did this even get here? It's well south of where I was looking. But it was a house on a lake. A lake that I didn't know existed. And you know, if you fly over Seattle in an airplane and look down there, it's kind of dotted with lakes and mm-hmm. a lot of them, you don't, you don't know, you've never saw that lake before because there's no public access. You know, there are these little, they're, they're bigger than ponds, but you know, lakes too small for a motorboat or that have a covenant that say you can't drive a motorboat on it. Um, but big enough that if you got into a rowboat or a canoe and you paddled to the other side, you would be tired. You know, it would take you, it would take you a while to get over there. Sure. And, uh, and they don't, they don't build a little public boat ramp or anything. It's just, they just divided it up and put houses around it. And so you would, you'd drive right past it on the street and not realize it was back there. So this house was on one of those. And I, I thought, well now this is a thing that hadn't occurred to me that that houses on these lakes, which are far enough away from Seattle that the distance from Seattle cuts the cost. Some of these lake houses become cheap enough that they're within my little, you know, price bubble. So in the middle of the night I got in my car And it was three o'clock in the morning. Let's let's just get that right out there. Okay. (laughs) And I drove down at three o'clock in the morning to this place. And because these lakes are almost by definition, Dan, a lake is within a depression. Sure. It means that you have to kind of drive down to get to the house that's next to the lake. So I drive down this like narrow lane and it's clear that this lane is the driveway of this house. You know, it's going down. It's like, wow, I'm on the, I'm already on the property. And I get down there and I get out and, you know, I'm not, there's a car in the carport. So I, so I can't go like peep in the windows, but I walk around the property. How disappointed you must have been that you couldn't peep in. Well, I was, yeah. but, you know, the interior is kind of represented in the photographs of the listing. And then I I see over to my left that the property that's for sale is bordering a uh, what had probably been a big farm or a big thing that had recently been redeveloped and something on the order of 30 new completely new townhomes had been built in a cul-de-sac and they have their own public i'm sorry public private their own neighborhood park on the lake it's not not accessible to the to the citizens of the city but it is you can go to this park if you're one of these 30 townhomes and they are let me use the word nice here with some qualifications. They are nice townhomes. They're let's, let's put it this way. They're expensive townhomes. right? They're, they're built to look expensive. They have almost zero property line, you know, but they're not built against each other. You can walk between them, but only just, you know, they're right slammed up against each other and they should have just built them like those San Francisco painted ladies, Why bother putting outside walls on them? You know, just build them like a like row house. Sure, but that's not what buyers in Western don't they call it like a did
0: you Did you say that zero lot line? Is that the term that they still use? or Is that an outdated term?
2: I think that's still the term, zero lot line. But they don't. These are standalone. So that when you look at it, if you're a young home buyer or if you're somebody that's, you know, that wants a thing like this. It looks like it's your own house, you know. You can walk, walk all the way around it, but there's no reason for it to be anyway. These are these are town houses that are each one of them probably was eight hundred thousand dollars to buy, and they're they're quite in expensive. this little cul-de-sac. What did you say? Quite yeah, quite expensive. Quite expensive. And this is far from town, you know, It's from Seattle, I mean, you're, you're at a point now where you're going to be driving back and forth to the city. It's going to take you, you can get back and forth to the city in under an hour during bad traffic, probably when traffic isn't bad, it's a half hour, maybe, uh, I don't know. It's maybe an hour. When traffic is bad, maybe it's forty minutes. When traffic, but you're you're not you're not in town anymore. But apparently, there are thirty families that can pay eight hundred thousand dollars to live an hour from town on this lake, and they're right next door to this property that has come on the market that I am intrigued by, and the and the property that I'm looking at. Is less expensive than any one of these townhouses,
0: and I'm partly it is. I'm, gu- I'm guessing by the way you're talking about it that the the townhouses or whatever they are, zero lot line houses, offend you.
2: Well, it's not that. In fact, I think that they are wonderful because, for instance, the guy that bought the house that I, that that we can now call the. Um, that ship has sailed house. Yeah. What he wants is one of these because I'm sure it has grant. These have granite countertops. I'm sure they have stainless steel appliances and I'm sure they have glass top cooking surfaces. All the things that everybody seems to want because they're getting slammed into every single freaking property that they can get slammed into. Including this house on the lake that I'm looking at. It also has a, Although it was built in the 50s, it has granite countertop, stainless steel appliances, and glass top cooking surfaces because it's some kind of mind infection. It's some sort of avian flu that has affected every, apparently everyone because, as we've discussed on this program, you, if you go to an appliance store, you cannot buy an appliance that isn't stainless steel or black or white, you cannot apparently buy a countertop surface that isn't granite. And unless you're one of the lucky ones that someone has taken the time to, to plumb gas to your kitchen. I don't, I haven't seen a stove that wasn't glass topped in two years. I don't know what happened, Dan. There are lots of things you can, lots of decorative elements. You could, I could sit and design 40 kitchens for you right now just out of my imaginarium why not oh oh i'm sorry also all the cabinets are made out of uh quote unquote cherry now none of them are made out of cherry there aren't as there aren't that many cherry trees in the world but they're all cherry colored oh you're right right sure cherry granite stainless glass but the thing is that these ones these townhomes they were built that way and I and I believe in them you know I look at them oh so what I did was I left the property that I was there to tour and I drove up and around and I went into the cul-de-sac and I drove down you know and now I'm slow rolling through this cul-de-sac at 3:30 in the morning <laughs> yeah checking it checking it and you know and you can tell in the front in the driveway, like who's living in these places? Because there's like one of those Tonka truck, Toyota, uh, SUVs that's got a, uh, a rack on the top. And one of them's got a kayak on it. And then next to that, there's a, there's a, you know, a Prius or, uh, or a Tesla three, you know, it's like young mom and dad, probably two kids under the age of seven. And they are adventure people. They are wearing sport fabrics that wick away sweat.
1: <laughs>
2: they have hiked up to Tiger Mountain within the last week. You know, they are this is who you want in Seattle. This is where this is where we get our whole identity, these people. And they're in there in their brand new construction townhome that has granite countertops. You know, Dan, if they if this if the refrigerators were granite and the cooking surfaces were stainless steel and the countertops were cherry like i'd be into that sure flip it around you know but these things were built this way and so the guy that that uh that owns the that ship has sailed house who wants to gut its original 50s kitchens and bathrooms and put this stuff in i think he's a war criminal (laughs) because what he wants is one of these and they're there for him Look at this one. It's right here. It's the same, you know, same price. You could get this one instead. You don't have to do anything. It's as they say, turnkey. Anyway, I'm walking around this place, and uh, I walk down to their park, their their private park, and there's a fire pit, and there's um, horseshoe games, um surface mm-hmm. horseshoe horseshoe pitch and there's a sandy beach that they've brought in and there's a, uh, a boat dock for the neighborhood and it and it looks like it has some boats that are just for the neighborhood it's a lovely place if you are a young person with a tonka truck
1: mm-hmm.
2: who although there's a playground uh, who has eight hundred thousand dollars and wants to live Almost on a lake. Right. The problem is, if you are sitting at the horseshoe pit with a very long stick with a wiener over the fire pit, and your kids are out there, you're all looking directly at the house that somehow came into my radar. The the, the, the new house. The, the house I'm there to see. Which is not very private. You, if you were inside the house that I was looking at, I'm not, I don't think the house, it doesn't face it. I think you could be inside the house and you would just be looking out at your, at your bucolic Lake. Right. But these neighbors would be right over your shoulder there. And if there was just one guy at that fire pit that had a kind of laugh. Oh yeah. That's it. I, that would be, and the, the thing about it is if you're buying a house on a lake, you, there's always a possibility that even across the lake, there's going to be a guy with a laugh like that. But there's 20 more chances because all these townhomes are right next to each other that, there, that there's going to be one right next to you there. Right. Oh, there's those blue angels. Love those guys. Come on. Bring it down. <laughs> they're doing their they're doing their um practice today. Today's practice day. Anyway, what what that caused me to do was zoom out of my little circle, my little search circle and say I will look at any property in this much larger circle if it is on one of these small lakes. Right. Or rivers, because there are a couple of rivers. There's lots of streams. There's some even some bogs. Well, all of a sudden, this now I had ten houses to look at that that I wouldn't have looked at before, and every and, and their their primary um the primary argument against them is that they are all of them a lot further away. But further away, but they have like a dock that goes out into a lake that you could run out on the dock and jump in the lake. How much is that worth? That seems worth an extra 20 minutes on the road. Especially if you do it frequently enough. Right. And then in the winter, if you get up in the morning, you put your wool hat on and you get your, your cup of coffee and you go out and get in your rowboat and row out into the center of the lake and then just sit there as the mist collects on the water and sip your coffee and think about how fucked up everything is. And uh, then, yeah. and then row back in and get to work. Like, wow. Some of these lakes might even freeze enough that you could ice skate on them. So, so that kind of blew my mind. Like, whoa, what have I been doing? Yeah, you've I've, been have been living your whole life wrong. I've been living it wrong. Hell, Dan, I could switch my search parameters around and just look at townhomes that have that I don't even have to be sad about the cherry kitchen because I can just I can be I can be confident that that is the style that the place was That's, that's it. that's the style that rings out in these buildings. That's how they're tuned. I don't have to walk around them and go, oh, God, why is this here? Why did they do this? Why did they think this was good? You know, I learned this. So are you, hold
0: on, are you seriously considering one of these now or are you just simply saying something like
2: this would be all right? I'm adding this to the pile of possible things. I see. Like, I, so the real problem then, of course, is that this other house came up in this search that's up in an area called isaqua and the thing about isaqua is it used to be that you thought of isaqua as being the last real uh, place that you could turn off to get gas before you went over the mountains isaqua used to be nothing used to be just some Some farmers that got kicked out of everywhere else. Really right in the shadow of the Cascade Mountains. But then Issaquah, because Issaquah is on the big highway, the uh, Interstate 90, it became a bedroom community, and they started building these enormous, it was Street of Dreams stuff, you know, mega mansions on cul-de-sacs. And Issaquah became this uh, kind of a big suburb where it had had never been that before. Like the guys from Modest Mouse are from Issaquah, but they're from old Issaquah. Okay. Which is like glue sniffing Issaquah, (laughs) right? You're just just like uh, like a single wide trailer on 15 acres. Uh Uh-huh is old is old Issaquah but I would never live in Issaquah what would I do out in Issaquah but then this property comes up on my on my new expanded search and it's like 10 acres it's got five buildings on it it's got a pond that just belongs entirely to you and it is uh, and everything on the property just screams this is a dude environment Ah. this is like a because so many of these houses and this then this kitchen that i hate so much this cherry stainless kitchen i think one of the reasons that it has become ubiquitous it is is that it is somewhat gender neutral it is a kitchen for a new kind of american which is to say that the stainless and the granite and the cherry they all are more masculine seeming when you're in that environment than a than a kitchen that was made in the 40s right where a kitchen that was that was in in a house from the 40s or 50s. Right. There's an element to it where this is where mom is gonna be. Mm-hmm. Mom's gonna be in the kitchen, so mom needs it to look like this, and mom wants it to look like that. And and the color, you know, and because the fridge is avocado, because that's the fashionable color for the season of 1958 or whatever. You right. know, it's a sure. different time. Now these kitchens are meant to look like a place where people are getting their some work done this like these these stainless kitchens are made for young mom and dad to be in there together she's chopping he's (laughs) you know he's mixing right then she starts frying and he starts blending and they've got all their appliances that all are like matchy and uh, that's, the, that's the kind of space that you see a lot of times.
0: We would like to say thank you very much to Brooklinen. You know, you spend a third of your life in your sheets. Wouldn't you want them to be awesome and insanely comfortable? I sure do. And I have been completely spoiled and, and ruined by the Brooklinen sheets. They're the only sheets that I will now allow for us to use because they're that much better. They are really awesome. And you know, it's summer here and, and it, this is Texas and it gets easily into the hundred degrees and up here. It is that time of year where you might say to yourself, you know, I need some better sheets. I need some sheets that are going to help me sleep cool. And you know what? Maybe I don't want a duvet, which is a new word for me. I don't want something like that. I want something that's more lightweight and softer. This is where you're going to love the stuff that Brooklyn and has, they have just introduced something called the linen collection. These are sheets and, and, and other uh, bed bedding, I guess you say that is made of linen. And I don't know about you, but like when I first thought of linen, I'm like, well, what is it like to sleep in that? It's amazing. So soft. And it breathes so much better than regular sheets. So when it's those hot months, you want to try some linen? I'm just saying, you can stick with the regular kind. There, they're, They sleep cool too. But Brooklyn knows what's going on. They've got half a million customers and counting, and I'm one of them, and you could be too. They've been around since 2014, uh, uh, started by a husband and wife uh, who they wanted to have the kind of sheets that they were finding when they were on their travels. they go to these really nice uh, you know, beautiful hotels and resorts and things like that. And they'd say, these sheets are amazing. And they would want to go and get a set for themselves. And it cost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And they said, it shouldn't be like that. They want us to be comfortable. They want us to have great bedding. They want us to sleep well. And they found a way to do it. They, of course, they cut out the middleman, you order it right from them, but they're not just sheets. They're also, uh, covers like I was talking about, but they also have robes. They have any, any think of the stuff that you want to sleep better they make that and you need to go and check it out. And don't forget to look at the linen collection. It is amazing. And this is Think of it. Think of all the people that need this. Maybe you're on the same old sheets you've been on forever. Time to get new ones. Uh, maybe you're graduating. You could be graduating high school or college or your, or your kids are, your friends are, this is perfect to send them away with newlyweds if someone gave me this, let me just, I'm going to be honest. If, if I was getting married again for the first time and I was like, okay, somebody has got to get me something really good. And somebody handed me a stack of sheets. I'd be like, what are you giving me sheets for? And listen, trust me, try it. I'd be like, I wanted a remote control car, but instead I got sheets. Fine. I'm going to put the sheets on the bed. And if they're Brooklyn, and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm the luckiest person alive because now I'm starting my new marriage with amazing sheets. Think of the joy that you would experience and that people experience from sheets. You have no idea. Better than a remote control car. They can run with that and you can get 10% off and free shipping when you use the promo code roadwork at brooklinen.com. And let me spell that for you. Brooke, B-R-O-O-K, linen L I N E N brooklinen.com. So go there and use the promo code roadwork and you'll get 10% off and free shipping. And then you will sleep better because you will have amazing sheets. At least that's what happened to me. So thanks very much to Brooklyn and for making this show possible.
2: Now in these, in these mid century houses that I've been touring, a lot of them, when you go, when you walk in, when you, even when you look at them from a distance, you realize that grandma long ago took charge of this situation and grandpa has the shop and the garage and maybe a corner of the basement, but the rest of the house and property are grandma's universe. And you can just, it's, it's clear in every choice you walk into the house and from the curtain rods down, Granddad has had zero input. All he's done is say yes, dear to the way this house is kitted out. And for me, I don't want to, I want a house that was built for the, I want a kitchen that was built for the lady of 1958 because I feel like that's who I am. I am the lady of 1958. I do not want a house where the lady of 1958 is now 80 years old and has been making decorating decisions for the last 55 years. Because I don't think she's made very good decisions, frankly. Because at some point along the way, she decided that she wanted the house to be in a country theme, you know, like, like a, that's not, that's no longer the, she's no longer the chic young. Housewife of the late 50s, she's now a grandma. Right. So a lot of these houses, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that a lot of these houses feel like the dad has gone out of them. But this house up in Issaquah, it feels like Dad got divorced a long time ago. Oh, I see. And he moved he built this house and he moved out into this property. And he smoked cigars in his underwear. He did whatever he wanted, and no one ever put a flower in there. And it's not to say it, it seems musty, but it is not. There's no um, there's no femininity of any kind, and so that intrigued me just because it's so unusual. Usually, a dad like that ends up living in his car. Ugh. Or he goes, to, or he goes to Mexico or something. Well, no, what do you? Well, half of them, they just marry a new grandma.
0: A y- so, a, just a just a younger a younger grandma.
2: A younger grandma. The house is, you know, the house gets decorated in br- the brass and fern style of the mid eighties, <laughs> right? With a macrame terrarium hanging down. Oh my god, <laughs> I love it. Right. She had big glasses and she had puffy sleeves. And dad was like, whatever, fine, it's fine. The sheets on the bed went from, went from uh, chintz to maroon. But this property out in Issaquah, it's got its own pond. I think it's a stream-fed pond even. I could get into terrible, terrible trouble out there. But it's in Issaquah. And then I so I I talked to a real estate agent. I said, send me the seller's disclosure form. And the seller's disclosure form is a little bit terrifying. Because you know, a seller's disclosure form is like, have there ever been any tornadoes on the property? Have you ever had an infestation of vampires? And you go down and you check off, no, there have never been any tornadoes or vampires here. But this seller's (laughs) disclosure form is like, well maybe there was a vampire here at one point. I can't be sure. You're like, maybe, (laughs) maybe there were some wood destroying insects. I'm like, I get it. You've got a pond, but how much wood did they destroy before you got hip to them? You know, these are the questions that a seller's disclosure form can't quite, can't, can't ask or you you can't, you can't discern it. (sighs) So now I'm like, Am I the guy that's going to drive up? I'm this is definitely not a property you go tour at three in the morning.
0: No, no one, no one would do that.
2: No, this is a property that you barely go tour at any time of the day because you have to drive. Talk about drive up a lane, you have to drive out to a part of the country where you wouldn't normally. I mean, this is this (laughs) is single wide on 15 acres, Issaquah, right? It's nowhere, it's no, you know, they say like, oh, it's. It's only five minutes from front street. And it's like, yeah, five minutes from front street as the crow flies. If the crow is strapped to a rocket. Uh Uh-huh. This is not, this is far enough out that, um, I mean, I guess you could ride your bike down there and then you'd be one of those. One of those people riding their bike from their single wide on 15 acres into downtown Issaquah where nobody wants you anymore. They've fixed up Issaquah now. Issaquah's got hanging flower baskets. Issaquah has places that sell carabiners now. It's not looking for a guy to ride into town from his decrepit vampire infested pond to come into town for supplies which is what i would be so i need to i need to shake i'm even as i'm sitting here talking i realize it's a fever dream and i need to shake it off and i'm not going to go look at this property in this quad because i'm no longer looking for a piece of property where i could conceivably build a rocket and no one would know until i launched it mm-hmm. that's not i shouldn't have a property like that it invites you
0: would you would wind up building the rocket
2: well maybe or half building the rocket that's the danger you become someone who builds the rocket but never quite gets all the parts together to launch it Mm. did i ever tell you the story (laughs) i like
0: (laughs) nasa yeah right Oof. (laughs) Ah, sorry
2: too soon Mm. many many years ago so there's a there's a uh there's a, a little archipelago of islands called the San Juan Islands in, uh, northwestern Washington. And they are a kind of magical place because, uh, we have a phenomenon here called the rain shadow. And the rain shadow is a whole, a whole, like, I don't know what I don't know what you would say. Hundred square miles more, maybe. There's a whole section of the area, sort of south of Belling, or well, in the in the region of Bellingham, and it extends across Puget Sound, and is part of the Olympic Peninsula too. And what it is is that the Olympic Mountains, which are probably the most remote part of the contiguous 48 states. It is a very tall, rugged mountain range that does not have any roads into it. It doesn't have any towns in it. It's true wild country and the mountains are tall Mm -hmm. and no one ever talks about it. Nobody knows about it because they're outside of the region because there are no roads into it and no towns there. You might know of it because it's the setting of the very little town forks, which is where the vampires and werewolf teenagers go to high school. Am I getting that right? I There's think, some I think so. kind of television show. Yeah. Or movies maybe. I've heard of it. I don't I don't know what this is. Forks, right? Anyway, those mountains over there are tall enough that when the weather comes across the Pacific, the big weather It hits these mountains, and the mountains stop it cold. Mm. The weather can't get over them. The weather goes around them, and the weather drops uh, so much precipitation that the western side of this mountain range, the, the Olympic Mountains, is the, I think I'm right in saying, the only rainforest in the continental United States. And it's a true rainforest, like a real, real rainforest. A rainforest. It huh. m- meets all the descriptions or all the the requirements of a rainforest, and it has in it this forest, the largest Douglas fir and the largest red cedar. I mean, it's a place where the where the um, the magic trees are. Uh-huh. And there's just not. I mean, if, once you're over there, you're like. There are a couple, there are some Indian reservations where they're not real keen on you being there in the first place. You know, there aren't that many places to get a Snickers bar. But on the other side of the mountains around the San Juan Islands, those places, and we're talking about weather on an epic scale, but the weather goes around these mountains and it creates a sun island, a kind of a place where it can be rainy and stormy all throughout the Pacific Northwest. Seattle is just cold and getting drenched. And here on San Juan Island, it's sunny and 69 degrees. And so it's a it's a sort of paradise. But it's not close to anything. And you have to take a boat to get there and it's become and, and it's another one of these places in Washington state where it used to just be Single wide on 15 acres. Right. Or, you know, a little farmhouse where people were raising, I don't know what, clams. <laughs> and then Oprah found out about it. Uh huh. And so a, a whole new class of person arrived in San Juan Island who were able to take that 15 acres helicopter that single wide out of there and build what is effectively, but what anyone else would consider like a hotel right? A, a lodge. And, and a lot of them in the Pacific Northwest style, you know, they build these just giant lodges out in the, their private Island. Pretty incredible part of the world. honestly, well, about 10 years ago, a man by the name of Joe Brotherton, who is an extremely eclectic, local, self-made lawyer, millionaire, eccentric, mm-hmm. but not the kind of eccentric that lives out in a, in a rainy manhouse and is trying to build a rocket. Joe Brotherton is the kind of eccentric who has a wonderful wife and a handful of wonderful children who all adore him and they all are in their way eccentric but not they're not um, there you if you saw if you saw them walking through the university village you wouldn't think what a weird what a bunch of weirdos you would think wow, that's a cool family. But Joe Brotherton, you know he, He does stuff like he decided at one point that he was going to reform the American voting system by um, developing an app where you could vote for president from your, from your phone Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and, you know, worked on it hard. May still be working on as far as I know, but Joe Brotherton found up on San Juan Island or not. Was it on San Juan? It was on one of, no, it was on Orcas Island. That's a cool name. Which is named which after is the, one the, of, the great Orca? Named after the great Orca. The main islands of the San Juan Island Archipelago are San Juan Island, which is the biggest one. Orcas Island, which is the second biggest one. Orcas Orcas looks like a, like a set of saddlebags. It's really two islands that are connected at the top. By an isthmus, there's uh, yeah, there's Lopez, which is the third one, and then there's a bunch of kind of s- smaller, medium, small to medium ones: Shaw and Waldron and and Orcas and San Juan, and I think Lopez you can get to with a with a uh, with a state ferry, and then the other ones either the ferry stops there once in a blue moon, or you have to take a smaller boat or an airplane, and then. Then there are these other islands that are not considered the San Juans, but they basically are like, like Lummi Island, most notably, which is right next to Bellingham. Lummi Island is where my daughter's mother was born and grew up. Mm-hmm. And then there's the the Canadian border goes right through these islands. and uh, And on the other side, you've got, uh Vancouver Island and you've got all these Canadian islands. So it's a it's a super interesting little little world. Anyway, Joe Brotherton found this old weird Cub Scout camp that had become a nudist colony at one point and then was like a Harry Krishna Place. It, it's, it's a crazy piece of property right on the water that had like 20 houses on it, some big, some little, and they were all painted white and they had little Jeep trails between them. And there were some teepees on it and some sort of, uh, there was a hippie spa, a meditation house. Hmm. There were some stages. There were yurts. The whole nine every kind of kooky sort of Washington thing you could think of was on this property and it had its own little in uh, its own little cove and it was called Doe Bay named after the lady deer, young lady deer. Doe Bay? Doe Bay. The Bay. Like B-A-E? B-A-Y. Oh. Like a bay. The other kind of bay. No, not a, not like a baby, not like a darling. Okay, but the Doe is like a deer, or like a Doe, like a, the Doe from Doe Remy Anyway, Doe Bay, Joe Brotherton bought it. I think he bought it just as, just like, hmm, that's for sale. Sure, I'll buy it. Joe's that kind of man. Wow, look at that. It's an old. It's a big old place. I'll, I'll buy that. What the heck? I'll build a rocket. Why not? And he's got a great relationship with his family. So he was like, honey, kids, what do you think about me buying this place? And they were like, sure, dad. (laughs) So he bought it. And then one of his daughters had a boyfriend who was an indie rocker. And the boyfriend said, hey, Joe, you know what we should do? We should start a music festival. And Joe was like, that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) And so they started a music festival called Doe Bay, which has become, because the property is what it is, Doe Bay can never become a thing where 30,000 people go. Okay. But it became immediately a very successful, small-scale, fun uh, Northwest music festival. And of course, everyone that goes has to take a ferry and camp out on this property or stay in one of these little houses. And the Long Winters played Bay, and then uh, early, we played year two of the festival. And then for the next five years or whatever, I, I just went. You know, I always, one time I played a show in the forest, one time I, you know, I, I, played, I played there a bunch. And I love Joe Brotherton, and I love his family, and the whole thing is great. But all this leading up to... One year I was there and Joe said, you got to meet, uh, this, you got to meet this guy who lives here on the Island. And, um, you know, my, my, uh, my son-in-law here, my, you know, the guy, the indie rock kid,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he's going to drive you up and, and introduce you to this guy. Cause he lives up on the hillside and I think you'll find him interesting. Um, and so I went up and we, we, we drove into the forest and then we got out of the car and we started walking into the forest and then through the trees, you start to see, um, what appears to be a boat, a, a large boat. And it's in the forest. And it's not a boat that you could have towed there. It's a very large boat. And it's But well, how would it have deep. gotten there if it's deep in the forest. And it's on and the forest is on the side of a mountain. So You couldn't, you couldn't have even, there's nothing you could have done to get this boat here. This boat was built here. And, um, it's spooky walking through the forest and finding this boat. Uh, it's like a three masted schooner maybe bigger than a schooner. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like 80 feet long. And so I walk up on this boat and the, you know, the, uh, my, my tour guide is like, right, right. What do you think about that? And I didn't know what to think. Here's this, like, here's, this is a, this is a real head twister, you know, but also like, it's freaky because this is a Northwest forest. So it, it is a tall tree forest. It's dark in there. There are ferns. It's like, and here's this freaking three masted ship. So we go a little further, a little closer to the boat and, uh, and a woman steps out and says, Hey, what's going on and she recognizes my my friend who's who's bringing me there and he introduces me and she's a woman you know 60 maybe 50, in her late 50s and my friend says he's here to he's here to see app he wants to meet app and she said well you guys you know you guys make yourselves comfortable i'll go get app And after a little bit of stand, of standing there in awe, here comes this little old man. and I mean, he's a little old man. he's eighty five years old.
0: How tiny is he? Small, like super tiny. He is like a Hobbit. Was he like bow-legged? He,
2: he was definitely um, like he's walking with a you know he's walking with the aid of a of a of a stick, okay but he he's clearly a, a he's a friend to all right he's like a friend to like a, i don't, i don't i'm not sure if a bird landed on his shoulder while he was talking to me but i wouldn't have been surprised <laughs> um but he is a you know he's he is uh, he's 5 feet tall okay and his name is app a p p app app applegate <laughs> Now he sounds like it's Tom awesome. Bombadil.
0: <laughs>
2: but he's a real person, App Applegate. And App App says, "Let's go take a look at the boat." And he says, "I'm too old now to clamber around the boat, but I'll stand here on the ground while you clamber around the boat, and if you, you know, just pop your head up out of any porthole and ask me anything you want to ask so i get up on the boat and the boat has the boat is a crazy place there's a library worth of books built into shelves that were built into the boat there's a galley that can um make food for 20 people there are you know there's like a a steam engine that was taken from a, I don't know what, a locomotive. Um, it's an insane asylum in there. Okay. It's And it's been... Even, even by your standards. Yeah. And it's been lived <laughs> in for what seemed like decades. But it's also very clearly been hand-built on site over decades. I'd never seen anything like it. And so, and I'm throwing questions out at him, and he is answering me with great joy. Um, the woman there, uh, who's you know considerably younger, is his companion, and uh, the boat. The boat is named the the Approximata. How do you spell that? Approximata. It's like it's Spanish for like approximately. Oh, okay. Approxima. approximata. Anyway, App Applegate <laughs> You is just like a, you just like saying that. <laughs> I do. I loved meeting him. <laughs> App Applegate is a communist. And Uh, Like an anarchist
1: Hmm.
2: who years ago, like early on in the 1970s, he decided like a lot of people, like a lot of kooks in the 60s and 70s decided they were going to move into the forest of Washington and disappear from them from the mainstream world. And they didn't need they didn't need the man's electricity and they didn't need your goddamn capitalist Horseshit. All they needed from capitalism was coffee. Coffee beans and I don't know, maybe that's it. Coffee beans and nails. Let's say you know you go to you go into the you go into town every once in a while, you have to buy some nails, right? But other than that, all they need is coffee. And they they're gonna they're gonna live off the land. So app Applegate moved up there and he said he started to work on building the approximata with the idea that once it was done, he was going to truck it down off that mountain, put it in the water and sail to Cuba. This was his okay. project. Now that's a, that's a big He's thing. Build,
0: that's a very big thing.
2: This is an enormous project. But in 1977, when app Applegate was, I'm I guess in his fifties, this seemed like a, so this was a great idea. And so he set about building this ship all by himself with the help of his, you know, maybe of his, not this current lady friend, but of a, of a earlier lady friend or some kids, maybe some hippies were there. I don't remember the whole story. But he worked on this thing, and in the in the intervening 40 years, the forest grew up around mm-hmm. him. And it was it was clear that you weren't gonna truck this boat out of there. So then he switched, and his new plan was he was going to get he was gonna hire one of those big, big, heavy-lifting helicopters, and the helicopter was gonna come over and lift the boat, take it out over Doe Bay. Drop it in the water, and then Applegate was going to sail the Approximata to Cuba. Well, you can imagine how fantastic that vision must have felt as he lay in his berth in his hand-built boat. For all low these many years, he's been picturing this this journey is helicoptering the boat out of here. Finally, after all the work he's put into it and dropping it in the ocean and sailing to Cuba. And somewhere along the line, I think it started to get into his head that he was becoming an old man and it was less and less, not likely, but less and less clear how exactly all this was going to go down. Cause app Applegate doesn't have a ton of money. Just hiring that helicopter would be very expensive. And also, this boat has never been in the water. To introduce it to the water for the first time by dropping it from a helicopter into into Doe Bay would be kind of a sinker. swim. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a risk. Right? Like, that's a seaworthiness test. And I think the boat is sealed with <laughs> You light. could you could call it that. How high would it be dropping yeah. down from? Oh well, I think the helicopter could get the boat fairly close okay. to the water, but it would still have to let it go at some point. And this boat was sealed with with pitch. I mean, it's a it looks like a it's a full on boat, you know. It's a it's not like It doesn't look like he didn't know how to build a boat. It looks like he knew how to build a boat. He certainly built one. He is that kind of intrepid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we get out of the boat, and he's like, why don't you come over to the house? And I'm like, the house? So we walk along this trail, and it's a bumpy, rugged, you know, thump-a-dump trail. And we come to a ravine, a deep ravine, at which point they have a consultation. And she says, and again, he's 85. She's not a day over 60. She says, App's tired. He's going to take a nap. Um, we'd like to invite you over, but but not now. You know, come back another time. At which point App gets into a little, um, what, a little bucket, and he's on a zip line, Mm -hmm. and the zip line takes him across the ravine, a considerable ravine, to a little house, a little hobbit house. Mm -hmm. There's no other word for it. Built on the side of the ravine opposite. And the the zip line bucket takes him over there. And it honestly the house is built like perched on the side of this ravine. And App, you know, waves goodbye, bids us adieu, and goes into his little house. Now nowhere on this property is there electricity. Or any other uh amenity. Right. I think he has like a hand crank generator really? that he uses to put some what kerosene know, in there what. or something? Beats me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I didn't get to spend as much time with him as I wanted.
0: And wait, wait, just on what our time way? of day was
2: this? Oh, this is sort of the okay. afternoon. Sun dappled through the trees, but in the (laughs) time I spent with him, I, uh, I, I just, I loved him immediately. Like he's, you can see he's had a lot of help over the years and you can see why, because he's charismatic. He's uh, a pretty avid communist and, you know, and true believer, fellow traveler. And, and it was very inspiring because he's, because it's, he's got this crazy Fitzcarraldo situation and he's never relented. Like there's a twinkle in his eye when you say, app, are you going to really connect this ship to a helicopter and (laughs) sail it to Cuba? (laughs) There's a twinkle in his eye when he says yes, he knows Uh he's not, but he also has never surrendered. And as far as I know, or as far as I knew then, the only people that knew about this world class American kook are the, is Joe Brotherton and the people in the immediate immediate environment on Orcas Island, America, USA. And I'm like, app freaking Applebee, Applegate, App Applegate Mm -hmm. needs to be on the, cover of American kook magazine. Yeah. Like we have, there's so much, we put so much energy into celebrating our kooks. And this is like top rank app is, is right up there with the, with the nuttiest nuts I ever met. And it was very, very instructive to me as someone who is not that many kisses away from thinking about building a <laughs> ship in the forest <laughs> that a helicopter will one day transport to the ocean. Like, this was my seven sided lighthouse full of dreams. And I needed to, I, I sat there with App and I studied the surroundings. And I said, I want to have a little cabin that I can only get to with the zipline. Right. There are, there's a lot that he's built here that that comports with my idea of a perfect world. But, but wait, like app, is, app devoted he's fully committed to this from since the since the mid 70s this is it this is what he's been doing and it's so sisyphean and beautiful in it beautiful in its futility but it's it's the mid 70s for me now this is my mid 70s The mid, the mid, the, the, the late 2010s and what I embark upon next, I'm definitely not going to spend 40 years building a fucking lighthouse, but what I embark upon next is going to be my approximata, Mm. the beginnings of it.
0: That just makes the decision even more important and more difficult.
2: Well, Except I don't think when App started building the Approximata, he well, because App clearly, just like my dad and a lot of people in his generation, he he most obviously never thought he would die. Like, to be 85 seems like it's still a big surprise yeah. to App. And he was, 80, he was 85 10 years ago, right? I mean, I don't know. I have no idea whether App Applegate is still alive, what happened to him, what happened to the boat. Like, all of this... Has is, remains a mystery to me. I know there are How people I could get today? on the phone. Ninety, okay, and still living in a house that you have to take a zipline to get to.
0: <laughs> probably
2: he's probably so I'm guessing, not. I'm guessing yeah. not. But I don't. I don't know whether he came down out of the forest. I don't. He's a communist, right? So I don't think he's going to sell his mountainside to somebody and take the money and go to Cuba on an airplane Mm -hmm. um the whole idea of cuba i mean cuba in 1977 and cuba now two different notions of paradise anyway i could probably pick up the phone and find out and make one phone call and find out what happened to app applegate but uh but i've kind of preferred that app live on in my memory as, as the app Applegate as the app applegate that I, right. You don't want to know what's happened to him. No, because I have to think about, I have to have, I have to think about the app applegate in me.